Hey, it's me, Gavin Crawford. Every week, I'll quiz comedians about the headlines. Do you worry about kids being exposed to drag? I grew up going to see men in dresses singing every Sunday and we had to give them money, okay? <laughs> I wish they were singing show tunes and had some makeup on their hair done, right? It would have been way better. If the news has you screaming into the void, we can help with that. Because news is available on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So streaming allowed almost every genre of film to find its audience, but somewhere in the mix, we kind of lost the classic rom-com. Big name stars, sweeping romance, that kind of thing. I gotta say, it seems like we want it back. Today on the podcast, where does the rom-com go from here? I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. This is Commotion. I think the place to start is to set the mood with this. Listen, if you've seen Nancy Meyer's A Holiday, and I assume you have because you have a heart, if you've seen it once, that's the music that makes you cry. That's the music that Jack Black makes. I'm going to start crying and talking about it right now. It, uh, that movie, the, Hol- the, the Holiday, is a Hall of Famer to me. That is a Hall of Famer romantic comedy. It's from the soundtrack of The Holiday. And I'm not sure if you've noticed, but the rom-com has been on a bit of a roller coaster ride lately. Some people say it's dead or it's a dying genre. Other people say it is actually so back. Joining me around the commotion table right now, Scott Meslow and Yulin Kwong. Scott, Yulin, how's it going? I'm so excited to talk about rom-coms. Welcome to the show. Doing great. Happy Valentine's Day. And to you. I'm so excited to do this. (laughs) All right. We're going to get things started with this. Maybe we should just tell everyone we're together. What? It would solve that problem for me, and you clearly want Margaret. She sees her with me. She wants what she can't have. There's no way we can convince anyone we actually like each other. You know, I still think about that night we spent together. Shut up. No, I'm serious. No matter how it ended, it's still pretty amazing. Convincing enough? Let's do it. That is a bit of the trailer for anyone but you. It is a romantic comedy. That is a classic romantic comedy, I guess, that is in theaters right now. Scott, this movie brought in $170 million globally at the box office. More than anyone thought it would, certainly more than I thought it would. It's got it all. It's got the fake dating. It's got the enemies to lovers. It's got the tropes on tropes. Does the success of anyone but you signal to you that we can say the rom-com is back in any kind of way? It's definitely exciting. I mean, over the past few years, I feel like the narrative has been, yeah, audiences will go see a rom-com in theaters as long as it stars Julia Roberts and George Clooney or whatever. <laughs> you know, yes. here are our proven stars and we'll show up if they're there. Uh, yeah. But Anyone But You is something a little different. You know, it's got two hot young stars who are not established rom-com favorites yet. Yeah. You know, its success is largely due to Gen Z moviegoers who audi- audiences had like, Hollywood had basically sort of written them off as an audience for this kind of theatrical rom-com. Right. Um, and it's happening for a movie that didn't have an especially strong opening. You know, it opened to $6 million over Christmas, and it's legged out to $170 million, basically on word of mouth and often through TikTok. Mm-hmm. So all of this sort of feels like, I know, I mean, I know for a fact that literally all of the Hollywood studios are sort of looking at this as a blueprint for like, maybe there's life in this genre, and maybe there's a whole audience that we're not tapping with it. So it's pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, the idea that Gen Z won't go to the theaters has been sort of um, stuck in the industry for some time. And then you get yeah. this movie, and sh- sure enough, 
of it has a kind of a bad opening. It does not, you know, everyone kind of considers, a, I, I wrote this movie off because I looked totally. at that and went, oh, that movie bombed. Let's just move on with our lives. And then steadily over the next few weeks, it picks up steam, picks up steam entirely on word of mouth, entirely on the, I guess, chemistry between Glenn Powell and Sidney Sweeney. Is that chemistry there, Scott? Like, do you, do you watch that movie and go, yeah, I buy it? Yeah, I think it definitely didn't hurt the movie that there were rumors of an onset romance. Yes. <laughs> anything you can push into this kind of publicity stew in that direction is always helpful. Yeah. But honestly, you can't discount TikTok. It's also been a viral TikTok trend with a song and dance thing in the movie. And right. that has successfully driven more and more people to go and do the trend, which then Sydney Sweeney posts, and then more people go do it. And it's become, now it's a ball rolling down the hill. That's right. It sort of gathers momentum as it's going. Uh, Yulene, what do you think? Did the rom-com actually ever go away and die? Or was that were, were those rumors exaggerated? Yeah, I think rumors of its demise were greatly overreported. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think the rom-com has ever died. I think there's something so timeless and appealing about it. I think it grows and it evolves and it finds new places to thrive. It's like a uh, um, invasive I, species. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when, when we talk about um, the idea that the rom-com has maybe died, I think it's because we're talking about streaming and how streaming has kind of changed the game, particularly when it comes to entertainment, particularly when it comes to rom-coms. Uh, Scott, we might have a high qual quantity of rom-coms available. I think we do. You know, um, Netflix puts out a lot of rom-coms. We watch, you know, movies on the Hallmark Cinematic Universe. Um, Netflix keeps giving us installments of rom-coms that I'm not sure we're all familiar with. But what's the quality looking lately when we think about, you know, the quality of rom-coms that are available to us? Because we sure do have a lot. It's just that I'm not sure anybody's talking about them. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that when it comes to streaming, there's a whole range of quality. It's, it's part of the model is doing things efficiently instead of maybe getting everything exactly pinned down. Yeah. Um, often, you know, smaller scripts, smaller locations, you know, fewer locations, smaller stars, all of that. But but I also think there's a lot of good to be found if you look. You know, over the past year, I loved Rye Lane by Rain Allen Miller, yeah. uh, somebody I used to know, Dave Franco film, and, and What Happens Later, directed by and starring Meg Ryan, had a small theatrical release, but yeah. we have a rom-com star back. And that was all the past year. Like, there's a lot of gold to be found in those hills if you just start digging. Uh, but, uh, Yulene, I have to say, out of all the name, out of all the movies that Scott just named, I've heard of one. You know, I've heard of Rye Lane, and I had a great time watching Rye Lane. But... It feels like the rom-com has moved out of the center of pop culture. I think we used to have a period of time, particularly in the 90s, um, in, the, in the boom of the mid-budget movies, you know, movies that are made for $50, $70 million. Um, and you'd go out and you'd say, I'm going to spend money on Tom Hanks. I'm going to spend money on Julia Roberts. I'm going to spend money on Hugh Grant and bring them onto this movie. And then you would entirely have this film propelled by that. And that feels like we don't have that. we don't have that anymore. We don't have the kind of massive stars who are going to anchor a romantic comedy. Do you feel like that's contributed to what you know maybe moved the rom com out of the center of pop culture? Possibly. I mean, I I, I think we're we're in a generational changeover right mm. now, um, and so I I think we're starting to see. Um, new stars like Sydney Sweeney, who sure. are very exciting to a new generation, um, and also being introduced to an older generation, um, and and so I I think that you know there 
hopefully the sun never sets on any of us. But <laughs> I think um, yes. as you know, as time passes, we we do have new crops of stars coming up, and yeah. and I think that um, I'm I'm personally very excited about this next generation of talent that's coming up, and hopefully will be starring in all of the rom coms for me to watch and make. Yeah, I mean, there's a part of the morning, I think, is also just like the idea of like, will we have movie stars the way that we used to? There's been a lot that's been written about the death of the movie star, the idea that will mm -hmm. we ever get 90s level movie stardom? And maybe we don't. Maybe what we have is this sort of like middle of the road famous, but also middle of the road romantic comedy. And that's fine because that doesn't mean the genre is dead. It just means our expectations for what it is have maybe shifted. Yulene, you're a rom-com author. You're a screenwriter. What are the ingredients of a great rom-com? I think it's got to be uh, good writing, uh, crisp dialogue, yeah. and um, incredible chemistry. I think chemistry is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Chemistry reads, chemistry reads. But uh, can you describe what chemistry reads are? Because I don't think people are familiar with that outside of the industry. I think there's, it's actually really useful for people to know. Yeah, it's like a first date between actors. You you want to put mm -hmm. them in front of each other, give them a, a a key scene from the script, and then have them perform it in front of you, and just kind of see what what that alchemy of these two people in the room together creates. Like, yeah. do we do we fall in love with their love? Yeah, I mean, I, I Scott, I have to say, you know, I've watched what at this point four hundred and thirty seven Marvel movies. The acting is not asking the same thing um, of those actors as a rom com might, because in a romantic comedy, you have to sell me on the idea that you're in love with another person with a look, like with 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 a, with a pure look, and sometimes. You don't get that chemistry. You watch a movie and you say, these people are supposed to be in love. I don't buy it even a little bit. And the idea that we don't have as many chemistry reasons maybe we used to, that being the determining factor um, of, of whether a movie gets greenlit, I think that's a big shift. Talk to me a little bit about how you've sort of experienced recent romantic comedies in terms of the chemistry between the leads. Yeah, I think that alchemy is really delicate. It's it's why, like, if I were a Hollywood agent, I would be telling the young stars that, like, go make a rom-com. It's great if you get to do your superhero movie, but it's no secret that a lot of that is a stuntman in a costume. A lot of it's on green screen. A lot of it is not acting with other people. A lot yes. of it's acting with tennis balls, you know? And yeah. so it's if you're looking for a chance to, like, show what you can actually do, you can't do much better. I mean, charm is going to be the best special effect you have. If you can really go on screen and woo an entire audience and and also woo the person opposite you in the movie, yeah. and we buy it by the end, what better showcase could there be for a young talent to to kind of prove that they can genuinely anchor a film? I, I can't imagine a better genre to do it in. It's called acting. Look it up. <laughs> I just want, to, just want to describe to people at home that Yulene was just fist bumping in the air uh, to everything that you were just saying there. Uh, folks are just tuning in. My name is Alameen Abdul Mahmoud. This show is called Commotion. Today on the podcast, look, it's Valentine's Day. Scott Meslow is here. Yulene Kwong is here. And we are talking about the state of rom-coms. Scott, I want to zoom out a bit. I want to talk about the fact that you pointed out this year marks the 100th anniversary of what a lot of people credit to be the very first romantic comedy, and that's 1924's Shy Girl. In your book, From Hollywood with Love, you credit this film with shepherding in the modern era of rom-coms. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. You see? That is just like you, Harry. You say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you.
I, once again, for people listening at home, everyone just started swaying. I think Yulene's on the verge of tears um, as, I'm, as I'm looking at you. Uh, how could you not be? How could you not be? That is from Nora Ephron's When Harry Met Sally. Scott, what was it about that time in Hollywood that allowed this caliber of rom-coms to be made, do you think? Yeah. So my argument is that this kicked off what I'm calling the modern golden era of the romantic comedy. Mm. Um I think any conversation with that does have to start with Nora Ephron, who's this singular figure in the genre for the era. You know, she yes. not only did she write When Harry Met Sally, she went on to write and direct Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. Um, yeah. It just maybe the holy trinity of those, that era of rom-coms. Yes. And it's, you know, her great screenwriting trick to me is, in that movie in particular is that you spend so much time getting to know those characters in a fairly realistic way. Just a lot of walking around and talking as you do with your friends. And then the scene that we just played is when it sort of kicks off into heightened rom-com land where it's, you know, he's literally running through the streets and he shows up at the New Year's Eve party and he delivers a perfect speech that you wish you had those words in your life and you never do. Yeah. And it's you can't imagine it really happening as much as you'd want it to. But by then it's so earned by the movie because all the things he's saying about her are things that we've experienced and we've fallen in love with her in the same way. Yeah. And so I think you have to look at that kind of model. And it's, I, I always feel a little insane when I describe like what makes a good movie, because sometimes it's as simple as like great filmmakers with great stars, take a great script and then audiences show up and like it. And then people <laughs> want to make more movies like that because yeah. it worked. And so I think, the success of that movie and then Pretty Woman and Four Weddings and a Funeral, there were a few kind of big rom-com hits in rapid succession. And I think it was kind of this wake-up call of, you know, much like what's happening now, I think. There was this idea of like, oh, we haven't made great rom-coms in a while. And all of the studios got into business at the same time. Yeah, Yulene, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about your reaction to that because you were sort of having this moment of like, oh, this is this is the height of cinema, and I and I, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm I'm there with you, but there's something about rom coms that people tend to sometimes dismiss that it's been really frustrating. Uh, sometimes people dismiss the genre itself as like a little bit of a, a less serious genre than other genres. What do you think it is about rom coms that invites that kind of criticism, and what do you say to these people? I think there is something in the human psyche where when we enjoy something too much, we think there's no way this could possibly be good for us. It's like, oh, oh it, it, we want. I, so I think there's the same people who are like, eat your vegetables, probably don't <laughs> love rom-coms, you know, boring people. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I guess my, my, my answer to that is I, I think that we can uh, feel good about things and also have them be good for us. I, I think we, uh, overestimate the power of uh, experiences that make us feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I completely, completely agree. That's, that's run towards the thing that make you feel good. Like if it makes you feel that much, that's a beautiful thing. Listen, we got a minute left. It's Valentine's Day. I want to get your recommendations. Maybe give me an underrated rom-com that I should watch tonight for Valentine's Day. Yulene, 30 seconds to you. Uh, there's this um, silent film called Sunrise from the 1920s. It's uh, kind of an unhinged premise where this man has a mistress and she's like, could your wife get drowned? So he takes his wife out and he's going to go drown her. I know. Stay with me here. Okay. Um, and then right as he's about to do it, he has this crisis of conscience and he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So then he, he rose his wife to the shore and they go on a lovely date in the city. And I oh. know this sounds crazy, but it's actually what? one of the most beautiful rom-coms <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> All right. I'm sold because it does sound crazy, but I'm in uh, Scott, literally 10 seconds. What, what do you got? Uh, check out Plus One. It's in the one Harry Met Sally vein, and it has Meg Ryan's son, Jack Quaid, as one of the stars. It's very charming. Okay, you know what? You talked me into it. Both of you, great recommendations. Scott, Yulene, thank you for being here. I'm going to go watch some rom-coms. Thanks for being here. All right. Thank take you. care, everybody. You bet. Bye.
Scott Meslow is a film critic and the author of From Hollywood with Love, The Rise and Fall and Rise Again of the Romantic Comedy. He was in Minneapolis. And Yulene Kwong is an author and screenwriter. She's heading across Canada this April with her new book, How to End a Love Story. She was in Pasadena, California. Hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders. I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford. And we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment, and how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real-life issues like grief to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat, Come to Life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud, and you're listening to Commotion. Okay, I got to talk to you about this. So, um... This is your first time in New York? Should we be asking each other that? Have you ever killed anyone? <laughs> no, no, no. Not really. That is Donald Glover and Maya Erskine in the new series, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's a reboot, okay? The show is based on a familiar title because it was a movie. It was a movie back in 2005. That one starred Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. And I have to confess to you that I was skeptical about whether the show should exist at all. But then Rolling Stone was like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is so good, it'll make you forget about Brangelina. And I thought, that seems like a tall order and unlikely. Jackson Weaver is here to tell you what he thinks about the show. Jackson is a senior writer for CBC Entertainment and Commotion regular. Jackson, what's good, homie? So much. The show. The show. <laughs> okay, let's, well, let's, get, let's get into it. The original Mr. and Mrs. Smith is, is fine, okay? Mm. It is a spy movie about two spies who are married to each other. It's a kind of movie that existed a lot in the mid-2000s. Mediocre plot, some big stars attached to it, and you, you're like, this is fine. Let's make this movie. Did well in the box office. I I am I'm of the era, Jackson. I was around at the time. <laughs> and you would not tell I could not tell you that this was like a classic of mid two thousands filmmaking. What makes the movie ripe for a TV reboot right now? Because I wouldn't think that it would be. I'm going to just, right off the gate, going to attack you a bit for this slander against wow. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's... It's not great, but it's like, you know, can't be fun. Something that I think we're getting more nostalgic for, which is one yeah, of the reasons. I, I said it was fine, Jason. It's better than fine. <laughs> it, but I think that's one of the reasons I think it's right for a reboot. Like, we don't have this amazing critical aura around it, but we all remember it. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's fun. And, you know, this is not new, I think, to anyone listening, but IP is king. You know, existing IP remakes, reboots. We got Twister coming this year, Beetlejuice 2 coming this year, Spinal Tap 2 coming this year, yeah. Mad Max 2 coming this year. I could keep going. Gladiator, did I say that yet? There's, yeah, just, you did. <laughs> the reboots are, it just, it has a built-in audience. Right now, we're seeing, like, right at this moment, Netflix being the first of the streamers to pivot away from just barfing out new content trying to get people on the, on the site but like yeah. this has been the strategy when this move or when this show was pitched two three years ago maybe four years ago i think it's yeah. like they all the streamers want new stuff and if you make something new that already has a built-in audience 
people are going to come to it. We just saw Argyle come out, which faked being existing IP, which isn't even real, just how you get people to watch it. Yeah. But like all those things are the reason you want to watch it. The initial lineup, I think we'll get a little bit into it later in the conversation, where it had these two huge superstars sure. that we wanted to see come together, which is why the original, Brangelina... I mean, at the time, it created it was yeah. a moment. Yeah, sure, it, it was, was a moment. So there's there's just so much that just brings people to the table, and even if it crashed and burned, yeah. people would want to see it crash and burn. So you, you get know people, it. yes, because you're somewhat familiar. You're like Mr. And Mrs. Smith. I recognize what that is. But mm-hmm. my problem, Jackson, is that when we sort of emphasize IP so much, then like I come to the table with some expectations that this might be in conversation <laughs> with the original. Yeah. This really isn't. I mean, so mm. do you want to talk a little bit about how the TV show, this new TV show, that is good, and yeah. I will, we'll get to that in a moment, is different from the original movie? In almost every way. I mean, like, Donald, <laughs> Donald Glover came to this, and, like, he he was saying in an interview, like, he, he got pitched this idea, yeah. and he was like, I don't do reboots, and he doesn't. And yeah. this doesn't make him do reboots, because yeah. it's not a reboot. The original is about... Well, the original... Brad and Angelina movie is about two spies who don't know that the other one is a spy and yeah. they're in a marriage together and then yeah. they slowly find out and bazookas come out and they fight each other, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Sure do. Um, this one is not that. It's the exact opposite. It's about two spies who know each other as <laughs> spies come together and fake a relationship a la the Americans, but now funnier. Yeah. And they basically, it's like an allegory for the beginning of a relationship where... Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the movie, was more an allegory for, like, the domestic breakdown and how that can lead to bazookas, I guess. But this is so different in almost every way other than the name. And I mean, like, actually, if you look back, there's a 1941 Hitchcock movie, Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Smith, about a marriage falling apart. There's a 1996 TV series, Scott Bakula, Maria Bello, that's also about two spies that are in a sham marriage. And all of them, they're not actually really reboots. They just basically are spiritual reboots but they take this central premise of like what is a marriage like and how does it break down and like spies are in the mix and then it just adapts from there and that's all that this series took from it and a name that gets you people to watch it right but i was going to say that like using the name like brad pitt wasn't trying to say hey i'm remaking this film from the 1940s like that was not Mm -hmm. that was not not a remake that that would be that would be inaccurate right (laughs) Um, but but this is attempting to capitalize on the fact Mm -hmm. that you already know you're familiar with this name um, but fair enough. Uh, I can appreciate that Donald Glover did something that is not at all a reboot, and he sort of mm-hmm. made it his own. He's like trying to say, okay, this is how people get into a relationship together, and there is this awkward moment of sort of you know melding and enmeshing your intimacies together. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta say, Jackson, Donald Glover's work is immediately identifiable to me. Like I can look mm-hmm. at one scene and go, oh, this is him. I don't know what it is, but there's mm-hmm. something here. He has a point of view. Has a vibe that is very Donald Glover, whether it's a TV show or a music video or mm-hmm. comedy. How would you describe that vibe to someone who has not seen a work of Donald Glover? I mean, it's like the tortured auto. I mean, if you see, I, I have this whole sort of mythos around him because I've loved him since I was like a little kid. I, I was watching Derek Comedy, his yes. like sketch comedy group, as you know, a ten year old when I should not have been. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then like he from yeah. there, you know, get Atlanta, we all know and love Community, Thirty Rock, yeah. There's a very different sort of vibe that he has when he's doing the straight comedy and he's just contributing writing. And when he gets, like, full creative control, like in Atlanta, like this, Swarm, his short film, Clapping for All the Wrong Reasons, I think it's called. Yeah. He has this kind of, like, tortured auteur, but not too up his own, you know, in it, where we get 
like Bo Burnham. It's it's a similar thing to that yeah. where it, it's lampshading everything. It's self-referential in every sort of regards, almost as if like UK comedy was transplanted into an American landscape where it's, everything's <laughs> subverted. Yeah. Everything is mildly sad. Everything is cerebral, smarter than you might expect. Yeah, everything is text in a way. Yeah, yeah. It, it's text. It's pathos. It's maybe a little bit challenging to uh, sit down and like have the Brad and Angelina mystery and this is Smith date night sort of thing where this is more just like relationships are terrible life is sort of bad but like who cares let's just go to the gallows with a smile on our face uh we should say this version of Mr. and Mrs. Smith it has an interesting origin story because it was originally supposed to be a collaboration it was supposed to be Donald Glover creating it with Phoebe Waller-Bridge the creator of Fleabag and then at some point relatively early early on in the project you know she stepped away What's your understanding of what happened there? Because that seems like a relationship that fell apart, much like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. There's been interviews with both Phoebe and Donald, and yeah. it's, I think they're very media coached. <laughs> like they're you think so, so they're so seems so amicable. They're yeah, they're tiptoe. I mean, it's like a divorce, and they actually both characterize it as like this is like a divorce. So they yeah. kind of like had that metaphor. But what they both said is there's creative differences. We love each other so much. We're great friends. But like Donald Glover was saying that like. Phoebe didn't love the idea as much. And also I had this sort of um, mentality and like style of working that I brought about when I was working at Atlanta in the writer's room where we just say like this idea is bad and we laugh at each other when we like shoot down their idea. Phoebe said that she did really love the idea, but like you can't really have too many, I don't know, cooks in the kitchen sort of idea. Sure. And they both just had some sort of different creative idea. And Donald Glover said, okay, then I'm going to take this and you can make your own thing. And my super deep dive, deep state conspiracy theory here <laughs> is I think that Phoebe Waller-Bridge, her fleabag sort of sensibilities, she wanted to do something a little bit more in line with the original, something that's more laugh out loud funny, something that's more hopeful, enjoyable, gregarious. That's a sure. stupid word. But something no, that's I like, like bigger. Yeah. And I think that Donald Glover had a more subverted cerebral sort of take on it, which I don't know if that's the, laughs the best The laughs are cerebral idea. in this, right? The like, laughs are cerebral. Yeah. We're getting something that's more like a very quiet allegory for like a, the beginnings of a relationship, which is like interesting, but not like a bazooka. Right. Which I think maybe is what she was thinking Yeah, Yeah. of course, of course. Uh, We should say the Rolling Stone review um, said this series will make us forget about Brangelina. That's a really big promise because the original gave us the whole Brangelina story, right? Like it's remembered Mm -hmm. for being the public's introduction to their chemistry. Oh, my God, Mm -hmm. Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston are broken up. Oh, my God, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are an item. Mm -hmm. Our first opportunity to see them together is in Mr. or Mrs. Smith, which is truly the only thing I can remember about this movie. Sorry to this man. <laughs> um, but when you, when you think about the show, what do you think about Donald and Maya? Do they have the chemistry that will make us forget about Brangelina? I mean, I've been blowing a lot of smoke into this room. I think I'm going to suck a little bit of it back up. <laughs> so, I mean, when I, at the beginning of the conversation, I was like, you know, a little ready to attack you over your, your yeah, slander. My take <laughs> over the 2005 movie show. I think that that is, it's very, like, the original movie is really surface. It's really simplistic. But I think, like, I have yeah. a soft spot for just, like, something that is not a remake of something. It's not MCU expansive, just taking any opportunity we can to recreate something. It's just fun and also done really well. This is more like Don Glover lampshading everything, showing how smart he can be. And this is a more subverted take on like the beginnings of a relationship. And they're all like in quiet rooms kind of talking about like, do you want to keep the cat? What's the cat's name? (laughs) It's so funny. I want something bigger. I need more. And like, 
there's two ways to go about criticism where you're like thinking about like, is this good? Does this like do these beats well? Blah, blah, blah. Or yeah. is this like, did I have fun watching it? Firsthand, I think he's obviously really smart. He makes really great things. This is a reboot that actually does it right. It's not something that just totally flubs the landing and doesn't add anything new to it. This adds something new. But like... I was ex- – it's kind of, you know, when they when Mindy Kaling remade Velma sure. and everyone got really mad at her because they're like, this is not Scooby-Doo. You just put on a Velma costume and made your own show. Sure. That's kind of what I get from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. This is a Donald, Donald Glover in a Brad Pitt costume making his own show, <laughs> which is – it's fine. And if you like this kind of subverted Bo Burnham inside sort of thing, then you'll like sit and be like, hmm. That's smart. But, like, I want something bigger when I hear Mr. and Mrs. Smith is being remade. I'm like, oh, let's go. Let's go. Let's see this chemistry. Let's see all of this, like, larger than life, early 2000s camp. And there's no camp. This is the opposite of camp. This is office. <laughs> <laughs> you want something bigger with bazookas yeah. about relationship between two people who go from friends to foes. Mm-hmm. I think what you're looking for is Deadpool versus Wolverine. That's okay. what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't want it to be MCU, but no, this is good. You'll like it. I have some reservations, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm me. Jackson, thank you for being here. You're the best, man. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Jackson Weaver is a senior writer for CBC Entertainment News in Toronto. Donald Glover's Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That TV show is available right now on Amazon Prime Video. That is it for the podcast today. Remember, you can listen to any episode of the show anytime you like, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you head over to our Instagram, which is at CommotionCBC, you'll find a lovely video of Sabrina Jaliz and Mae Martin talking about friendship love. And I think on Valentine's Day, I think we should give a little bit of attention to friendship love. It's a great video. Uh, Sabrina Jaliz will sing you a song in that video. Our Instagram again, at CommotionCBC. My name is Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. I'm going to be here tomorrow. If you're going to be here, I'll see you then. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.